Two weeks ago, I began a sermon series called Conversations. And the idea behind that sermon series is that God uses everyday conversations to share the gospel with broken people who live in a broken world. I want to say that one more time. God uses everyday conversations to share the gospel with broken people who live in a broken world. And we started that series two weeks ago with kind of an unusual message. The title of the message was The Conversation You Can't Win. And in that first message, I tried to stress to you from the Scriptures that regardless of how hard you might try or how hard you may want to, you can't save anybody. That that is the role of the Holy Spirit. And as much as you want your child or your parent or your friend to put their faith in Christ... You can't choose Jesus for them. Only the Holy Spirit can bring about conviction of sin and life change. That was in the first message. Now today I want to look at the flip side of that coin because we do have a role to play in the salvation process. It is true, you can't save anyone, but you can tell someone how to be saved. That's what I want to talk about today. Now, let me make this very, very clear to you. Your job and my job is not to sell them on Jesus. Our job is to tell them about Jesus. That's what we're going to look at today. So open your Bibles, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And the title of the message today is, God Uses Human Voices. That may sound a little bit strange to you, but I think you'll see why I titled it that way as we work our way through these three chapters. Beginning in Acts chapter 8, I want to show you that God uses human voices. Acts 8 begins the first of three stories to show how the gospel moves from person to person and how God often uses human voices in that process. So I'm just going to tell you three stories. And as we look at those three stories, you'll see a similar theme going through each of those stories. The first story is found in Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. A very familiar passage to a lot of you. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Notice that the angel of the Lord is actually speaking to Philip. And here's what the angel of the Lord said to Philip. Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. He was reading the scriptures. The Spirit speaks again. Notice this. The Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. Now, before we get too far into the story, I want to pause right there. And I just want you to note that it was the Spirit of God that directed Philip to speak to this Ethiopian. And the the Ethiopian tells us in verse 31 that he needs someone, he uses that word, he needs someone to explain the gospel to him. Now, notice that this leads to a conversation, beginning in verse 32. The eunuch was reading this passage of Scripture, and the Scripture is listed for us. He was reading from Isaiah, and in verse 34 it says, The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? 
And notice in verse 35, then Philip began with that scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. They had a conversation and Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Now I want to ask you three, three questions, very simple questions. Uh, these are not qu- uh, trick questions, so I hope that you'll respond really loudly and enthusiastically, all right? Don't hesitate that you might give the wrong answer because you won't give the wrong answer, I'm sure. All right, here's the question. Number one, was God concerned about, as we read this text, was God concerned about the spiritual, spiritual condition of the Ethiopian? How concerned was he? He was so concerned that he sent Philip to go talk to him, right? So we know that he, God was actually concerned about this man's soul. Question number two. If God wanted to, could the Spirit of God use the Word of God that's in His hand to bring the Ethiopian to saving faith? Absolutely. Yes. And when you hear a Gideon speaker, that's what they talk about all the time, right? How God uses the Bible to bring somebody to saving faith? Question number three. But in this story, how was this Ethiopian saved? And I'll give you the answer. God used a human voice. The voice of Philip. Look at it again in verse 35. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Now let me ask you a bonus question. If the Spirit of God could speak to Philip to send him to speak to the Ethiopian, could that same Spirit of God not have spoken directly to the Ethiopian? I think he could have. File that away as we go to the next story, Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, is an amazing story because Jesus, in this passage of Scripture, actually speaks directly to a man who needed the gospel. Follow along with me, verses 1 through 5. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, and he went to the high priest, and he asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that is, followers of Christ or Christians, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, and watch this, church. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And so he asked a very logical question because he doesn't recognize the voice. The question is, who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice responds this way, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. This is an amazing story. Because Jesus speaks directly to Saul, who has not yet become a Christian. He speaks directly to Saul. Now, let me ask you another question or two. Again, very simple questions, and I almost hesitate to ask this question, but here's the question. If anyone was qualified to share the gospel, don't you think it was Jesus? (laughs) Absolutely. Do you know of anybody else that would be better qualified to explain the gospel than Jesus? No. And yet, even in this story, even when Jesus spoke directly to Saul, Jesus sent someone else to have a conversation with him, to speak to him. Let me show it to you in Scripture. 
Acts chapter 9, verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, notice here that the Lord is speaking again. This time he's speaking directly to Ananias. The Lord told him, verse 11, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And in a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have many, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Now watch this, follow closely, verse 17. Placing his hands, by the way, parentheses, shortest translation, placing his shaking hands, just my guess, placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, watch this now, watch. The Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again and he got up and was baptized. This is so amazing to me. Jesus spoke directly to Saul. But he also spoke through a human voice. The voice of Ananias. And then Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit. God uses human voices. Now, let's go to the third story. Third story is found in Acts chapter 10. Just go over one, one chapter. Acts chapter 10 is a turning point in the book of Acts. You see, before chapter 10, all the Christians in the book of Acts were Jewish of Jewish background. They were Jewish believers who became followers of Messiah. They became Jewish Christians. And in Acts chapters 1 through 9, every believer you read about in the book of Acts is a Jewish believer. Acts chapter 10, that changes. You see, in Acts chapters 1 through 9, the Jews actually thought the gospel was only for themselves because the gospel was birthed there in Jerusalem. Their, their Messiah was a Jew. Everyone who had gotten saved was a Jew. And so all of this was happening in, in that Jewish community. And in Acts chapter 10, it changed, didn't it? In Acts chapter 10, the gospel is shared with the Gentiles. And you can tell that this is a very important story in the book of Acts for two reasons. One, is because of all the minute details that are in chapter 10 about this encounter. And two, because this encounter is repeated again in verse 11, or chapter 11, that there's actually two chapters, chapters 10 and 11, talk about how the gospel went to the Gentiles. Now, let's start reading chapter 10, verses 1 through 8. <clears throat> At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He was a Gentile. He and all of his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Now let me pause there for a moment. Yes, he was devout, he was God-fearing, but he was not saved. He was a religious man who did not have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We find that out as we read the rest of the story. Verse 3. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, 
Cornelius, once again, would you note that there is the supernatural encounter, that there is the angel of God actually speaking to Cornelius. So here's what happened. Cornelius stared at him, verse 4, in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him, notice the angel spoke to him, had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants, and he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. The angel spoke to Cornelius in a vision. By the way, do you know what the word angel means? It means messenger. The word literally means messenger. Who do you think should carry the gospel to people who need it? Don't you think an angel should be near the top of the list? If they are God's messengers and they've carried important messages all through the Bible to the people of God. Throughout the Bible, angels delivered all kinds of important messages on God's behalf. Don't you think God could have used the angel to share the gospel with Cornelius? Doesn't that make sense? That if the angel could speak to Cornelius, could that same angel not at least explain the gospel to him? And yet, the angel told him, send for Peter and he'll come talk to you. Pick up the story, verse 23. We have to go quickly through this text. Then Peter invited the men into his house to be his guest. And the next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea, and Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm a man like you. I'm only a man like you. Skip down to verse 30. Cornelius answered, Four days ago I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon who's called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately. Watch this. And it was good for you to come. Now, watch this church. Verse 33. Now, we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. We're here to listen. We're here to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. An angel of God visited Cornelius' house. An angel of God actually spoke to Cornelius. But God used a human voice to share the gospel with him. The voice of Peter. Now, in all three stories, let's, let's bring it back and summarize it for a moment. In all three stories, someone who knows Jesus has a conversation with someone who doesn't. Acts chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10. Somebody who knows Jesus has a conversation with somebody who doesn't. God uses human voices to share with the gospel with those who are in need. But look at me for a moment. The question is, why? Why would God use a human voice? I mean, you, have you ever wondered why God does it this way? Does that seem like the most efficient method of evangelism for you? I mean, doesn't it seem that the Spirit of God could probably handle that without us? And by the way, isn't that a lot of responsibility for us to carry? 
If heaven and hell are in the balance, hanging in the balance, why would God not speak directly to that person through the Spirit of God or an angel of God or Jesus himself speaking? If heaven and hell are in the balance, why not speak directly to them? Why would God speak to them through a human voice? I've wrestled with that question all week. I'll tell you what I did. One night, I gathered a, 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 a bunch of books out of my library. I, my evangelism books. I, I just pull them books, pull them books, pull them books. I, I worked through one night, I worked through eight different books trying to find the answer to this question. Why would God do it that way? Why does God use human voices? And let me tell you what I found. Nobody knows. At least not the people I'm reading. Nobody knows. The closest that I came was Ken Hemphill had a statement. He said, God chooses to work His will on earth through yielded human instruments. God chooses to do His work on earth through yielded human instruments. In spite of our limitations, in spite of our inadequacies, inadequacies, God has chosen to speak to broken people through human voices. You say, well, why can't angels do that? Why, why can't the Spirit of God do that? I mean, angels, if they're messengers, why can't they take the message, the good news to other people? I'll summar, summarize it for you this way. Angels have never felt the convicting work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Angels could never sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Because an angel has never been a wretch. They're angels. We, on the other hand, have a testimony, don't we? A testimony of how God brought us out of sin and how God changed our lives. We have a song angels cannot sing. We have a message they are not qualified to deliver. The Bible doesn't explain why, but it does give us very clear examples of how God uses human voices in regular, everyday conversations to share with people the hope of the gospel. Just recently, I, I was reminded how desperately people need the hope of the gospel. Back in December, I took a few days to go away to Ridgecrest to do some sermon planning for the year 2022. If you're, if you're teaching and preaching three times a week, that takes a lot of planning. And so I, I try to, every once in a while to get away and, and plan ahead. And so that's what I was doing in December. I was up, up at Ridgecrest for three days by myself, just trying to be with the Lord and trying to Figure out, where do I go in 2022? What do you want me to preach and teach and share? And So one night, after working all day, I went to Black Mountain to have supper. And of course, I was there by myself. I had no one to talk to. And it's a little pizza place there that I go to in Black Mountain. And uh, I had no one to talk to, so I just listened to the conversation next to me. It's pretty good, pretty good hobby if you want to try it sometime. Uh, it was a small restaurant, so we were seated kind of close together. Uh, my booth was facing this way. Again, I had nobody there with me and there was a table that went this way and I could literally reach out and touch someone you know that's how close they are so it wasn't hard to listen in on the conversation especially because the conversation was kind of animated there was a father and a mother and two little girls and maybe a middle school girl and there was a teenager and then there was a, a guy that I assumed was an uncle or a friend or somebody and it was kind of a loud animated conversation so I just sat there and listened you can learn a lot by sitting there listening in a restaurant. The thing that first caught my attention was the mom said, well, well what's your sign? Does, do, do all of y'all know what your sign is? Talk about astrology. 
You know what your sign is? And they started talking about astrology and everybody's sign. And everybody was engaged in that part of the conversation. Everybody was talking about their sign. And, and when that started, my heart began to sink a little bit as I listened to this conversation. And, and then they moved from astrology to psychics. And they started talking about all the things. And they were kind of debating the whole psychic phenomenon. And, and uh, the teenage boy, literally, I could have reached out and put my hand on his shoulder. The teenage boy was disturbed by what he was hearing. And he said to his father, I really don't want to talk about this. I don't want to argue about this stuff. And his father reprimanded him a little bit and said, Son, you need to keep your mind open to everything. My heart sank a little deeper, and by that time, I picked up my phone, and I started texting Lisa, because I had nobody to talk to, and I said, this is what they're talking about. Okay, now they're talking about astrology. Now they're talking about psychics. And then, then they moved from psychics to Aztecs, and then they talked about sundials, and then they talked about pyramids. And then they, he said something else. I couldn't quite make it out. I wanted to say, excuse me, could you say that a little louder? I missed I, I miss that last part. But I think, I honestly think they were talking about aliens at that point. I think it went from pyramids to aliens. And then the father said very animated and loudly, he said, I really believe this stuff happened. And I was texting Lisa and I was debating inside about, do I interrupt this conversation and say, I'm sorry, but I've been listening in on what y'all had to say. And can we have another conversation? I wanted so badly to interrupt them and I was just debating whether I should or shouldn't and I, I was just broken hearted and I was praying especially for that teenager. I wanted to literally put my hand on his shoulder and pray for him but I, I just kind of looked towards him and I prayed for him and prayed for the whole family and my heart was so heavy I had to text Lisa again and she said this in response. She said, we live in a bubble with a dark world all around us. I thought that's so true. We live in a bubble with a dark world all around us. And I really think as best I can remember, that, that is where I decided to do this series, Conversations. It's where I got the idea for the series, Conversations. Because I sat there and I witnessed the power of a conversation. In a negative way. As a father was indoctrinating his son about astrology and psychics, and all the other stuff they were talking about. As the father was encouraging his son, you need to keep your mind open to everything. I sat there thinking about their conversation, and I realized the world has a lot of conversations, they just don't have a lot of truth. And they need to be engaged in another conversation about the gospel. And your job in mind is not to sell them on Jesus. Your job in mind is to simply tell them about Jesus. We live in a broken and a confused world and we need to engage people who are far from God in a conversation about Jesus. You see, I told you two weeks ago, you average 27 conversations a day. Doesn't it seem like that somewhere along the way, God might want to use your voice in one of those conversations Say something about Jesus. You average 16,000 words a day. You average speaking 16,000 words a day. Doesn't it make sense that somewhere along the way, God might want some of those words to be about Jesus? The Apostle Paul understood this principle better than any of us probably because he writes about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Would you take God's word and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5? 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says this. I'm just going to read the text and make a couple of applications. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone, would you say the word anyone? You know who anyone is? Yeah, it's anyone, it's everyone. You don't know a person who is beyond the reach of the gospel. You don't know a person that God has not died for. Whoever you talk to in a regular conversation is someone for whom God has died. Christ has died. And anyone has the potential to have their life changed. It might just be that God's going to use your human voice to help them understand that. And so we pick up the text, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Here's the first point I want you to write down. If you're taking notes, write this down. We have received the greatest honor and the greatest privilege. We have received the greatest honor and the greatest privilege. I'll explain that to you. First of all, we have received the greatest honor because in verses 17 and 18, he talks about how we are brand new people because of what God has done. That when you put your faith in Christ, you're not just turning over a new leaf, you're beginning a new life. The Living Bible translates it this way. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. But notice in verse 18 how this comes about. In verse 18 it says, all of this is from God. You might want to underline that in your text. All of this is from God. Salvation from beginning to end is the work of God, not the work of man. All of this is from God. Verse 18 who reconciled us to himself. Watch watch the flow here. He reconciled us to himself. We did not reconcile ourselves to God. God reconciled us to him. And the Bible says, and he did it through Christ. If you're taking notes, just write it down and put it in the column there. Salvation is a God thing. That's what Paul's talking about here. God reconciled us to himself through Christ. Jesus. The word gospel literally means good news. And here is the good news. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was resurrected. God brought him up from the grave. It, and it was because of his finished work on the cross that you and I can have a new life, be restored into a relationship with God. And it is all the work of God. It, our response is to accept it by faith. That's the greatest honor of your life. Do you think of a big, bigger honor than that, than being reconciled to God? It's also the greatest privilege. Verse 18 and 19, here's how he describes it. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Notice what he has done. He has not only reconciled us, but he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. It's the work of God not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He has committed to us the privilege of having conversations with people about Jesus. He has committed to us the privilege, the opportunity to use our human voices to talk about the supernatural change he can bring about in somebody's life. 
So we have received the greatest honor and the greatest privilege. And that's why everyday conversations can have eternal implications. As you have a regular conversation with your neighbor, God might want to use your voice to speak into their broken family. As you talk to your friend at school, God might want to use your voice to tell your friend about His love and His forgiveness. As you make the sales call, God might want to use your voice not to sell them on Jesus, but to tell them about Jesus. We live in a broken world, and you don't have to look very far to find it. And God loves to use our human voices to tell people how their lives can be changed like yours was changed. The second thing I want you to see in this text, we've got to read one more verse. The second thing I want you to see is this. God wants to use your voice for His purposes. God wants to use your voice for His purposes. You can't miss the message in verse 20. Paul says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We're speaking on His behalf. That's what that means. And look how he phrases this. As though God were making His appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. As though God were making His appeal through us. As though God were using our voice. We appeal to you to turn to Christ. And can I remind you that this was written to the church in Corinth. These were not seminary trained people. These these were not a group of pastors. These were not missionaries. This was a young church, a struggling church. They most of the time got it wrong rather than right. And yet, Paul says to them, I want you to know something. You are God's Christ ambassadors. As if he's speaking through your very voice. You tell people how they can be reconciled to God. That's why Colossians 4, 6, that verse is kind of the theme for this whole series, is so important. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, I want you to go back before we close. In your mind, you don't have to go back to Scripture, but in your mind, I want you to go back to those three chapters we started with. Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10. Three stories. Three amazing stories. And in Acts chapter 8, it was the story of the Ethiopian. Remember that. When the Ethiopian, years later, would tell his faith story and how God changed his life, Philip would forever be part of his story. When Paul, later, would tell his faith story, Ananias would forever be part of Paul's faith story. When Cornelius told the story of how he got saved, Peter would forever be part of his faith story. My question to you is this one. If someone tells their faith story, will anyone mention your name? When someone months from now, years from now, talks about how they came to faith in Christ, will anyone ever mention your name? There was this guy It was this lady. And they may not get saved the day you spoke to them, but they never forgot what you said. When someone tells their faith story, is anybody ever going to mention your name? We live in a broken world, and God uses everyday conversations to share the hope of the gospel. And don't forget this, God uses your voice to tell others. If he wanted to, 
the Spirit of God could speak directly to that person in your neighborhood. If he wanted to, an angel of God could be sent to that person that you work with. If he wanted to, God could speak directly to them through Jesus Christ. We've seen that in the Scriptures today. But God uses human voices. And for the life of me, I can't fully understand that. Because I know how frail and fragile I am. For the life of me, I, I can't fully comprehend why he would rather speak through me or through you than through an angel. All I know is when I see in Scripture, God often is using human voices in conversations to tell somebody about Jesus. Maybe there's a conversation he wants to have with your neighbor, with your friend or your family member, and guess who he wants to have that conversation. He wants you to use your voice to share his good news. It's huge. It's important. Let's pray about that. Would you join me as we pray? Father, we recognize that indeed, though we don't feel qualified, and indeed, though we often feel like maybe we're unable or we're fearful, it's an amazing thought to think that you use human voices, and you might indeed want to use our voice this week to tell someone who is far from God how their life can be different. Just give us those opportunities. We pray, God, that you would open the door and give us the opportunity. Open the heart of the people to whom we will be talking. And open our mouth. As you use our voice, tell somebody about Jesus. And it's in the name of Christ I pray. Amen.